I always thought that you were a man that respected the law. I like to see justice done. Justice. Justice is what a lawyer gets when the judge rules in his favor. The law is what we live by. It is the rules. A man can always live by the law. A man cannot live any other way. Do you realize that I have been a lawman for almost 600 years, even before I was immortal? I have seen cities burned. I have seen children slaughtered. Law is what separates us from the beast. We leave it. We leave a hole with no bottom. Yeah, but in all this law of yours, isn't there any room for compassion? Not for me. Welcome to Highlander Rewatch, the podcast where each and every week we take a look at another episode of the amazing, the weird, the wonderful Highlander franchise. I'm one of your rewatchers. We watchers? I'm one of your we watchers. One of your we watchers. I'm the smallest one here, the weest watcher. (laughs) I am Keith. This is Kyle. And this is Eamon. Ah, very good. The wisest watcher. Wise. This week's episode is episode number 12, Under Color of Authority. It was first aired Monday, February 7th, 1994. It was directed by Clay Barris. He's back. Six Day Clay, as Bill Panzer called him. Uh, We know him, of course, from The Zone, Turnabout. Did he do Revenge of the Sword, I think? Yep. Um, But one thing I was thinking with these reoccurring directors and writers is we always kind of just do a little recap of what they've done for Highlander, but I was thinking it'd be fun to kind of look at what other work they've done. So... Clay Barris last year, I guess, directed kind of an indie movie uh, called X Wins. And the trailer for it is on, like, Vimeo, I think. The description for this movie is epic, and we all need to watch it. This is the description for X Wins. A young man practices for a triathlon deep in the thick forest. A beautiful young woman and her brother have broken down in the middle of the same forest. Three ominous gun-wielding hunters stop to help. A game of tic-tac-toe is played and goes bad. What? All hell breaks loose, and a game of cat and mouse insures. Insures? It says insures. (laughs) This is copied from their website. The only way out is if X wins. What? Also, Also, how did anyone lose a game of (laughs) tic-tac-toe? It is a game that cannot be lost. If we've learned anything from the uh, Matthew Broderick movie War Games, it is that it is an unwinnable game. Yeah. Hmm. Does anyone remember that movie? Of course. Everyone remembers that movie. (laughs) I've never (laughs) seen it. Let's play Globothermonuclear War. Yeah. Well, Matthew Broderick's like a hacker. Master hacker skills. And for some reason, like, NATO hired, like, NORAD, or I forget what happens. He hacks into NORAD, basically, and gains control of their computer due to a glitch. The government has changed it over because they found that people couldn't, didn't have, like, the willpower to shoot nuclear weapons. They wanted to empower a computer to do it, right. and Matthew Broderick gains control of it, thinking he's just in an everyday computer game, like accidentally almost triggers a nuclear war between the United States and Russia. But the moral of the story is, so that since it's like an artificial intelligence thing, it's like Skynet, he needs to teach the computer that it's not worth playing the game. So he has to play tic-tac-toe, which is unwinnable. And so the moral of it is, if both sides are playing, you both lose. 
Wow. War <laughs> Games Rewatched. <laughs> also, Meds, we should have spo- get spoiler alert yeah. for this <laughs> 1980s movie. Well, in that description, they're playing tic-tac-toe, and they're also playing a game of cat and mouse. Yeah, there's a lot of games in that movie. <laughs> a lot of games between two parties, X's and O's versus cat and mouse. Yep. Also, X's and O's are kind of even. How do they determine who's the cat and who's the mouse? They're also I'm hugs, gonna go ahead and hugs and kisses. The, I'm going to go ahead and guess that the well-armed hunters are the mice. <laughs> mm. Are these hunters from Highlander? Ooh, worlds collide. Mm. So this episode was written by Peter Mohan. Uh, he, of course, wrote The Zone. So we got the dynamic duo back nice. to direct this episode. Uh, this episode guest stars Jonathan Banks as Mako. And, of course, we know him from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Mako. Mike Mike from Breaking Bad. Uh, so he's also Commissioner Gordon in the Batman PlayStation video games. <laughs> uh, like your Arkham nice. Cities and your Arkham Planets and your Arkham whatever. <laughs> Is that like Planet Hulk? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so the IMDb episode description, uh, this is a good episode description. Richie rescues a young woman being chased by a mortal Mako. In flashback, Mako shows up to capture Tim, a friend of Duncan's. Is she innocent, or is she using Richie? Wait. (laughs) (laughs) They still talking about Tim? (laughs) Uh, Wonderful. Wonderful. (laughs) So, speaking of which, we open with a girl being chased. By a monster truck. By an actual monster truck. It, like, drives over a bunch of smashed cars. It's like... (laughs) Slams down. It's Mycosaurus Rex. Yeah. (laughs) This episode has, like, some crazy style to it in the beginning. Like, it's very comic book-y. Yeah. There's, like, lots of cool silhouetted... Dutch angles Yeah, tons of Dutch angles. Like, the side of the building that she's running against is, like, bright yellow with, like, uh, blue frames around the window. Like, it's very colorful. You guys should explain for the people at home Dutch angles. Uh, Dutch Angles is like the Batman 1966 show did it a lot where it's a skewed perspective whenever they're filming the villains because right. the villains look at the world with a different point of view. That's it? A Dutch point of view? That's right. <laughs> all, the, all the Batman's rogues gallery are Dutch. <laughs> They'll have wooden shoes. That's right. <laughs> Suck at Dutch people on that shoe bird, yeah. I guess. Take that. Dutch. <laughs> Sorry if we have any Dutch listeners. Uh, so the chase is afoot. That's right. And on and it's wheels. very foggy. <laughs> a lot of mood. Yeah. This girl is running from somebody in a truck. Yeah. Richie comes by, I guess, mm. and helps her on his bike. Yeah. Finally, he's back and doing something. Yeah, finally. <laughs> yeah, what has he been doing? He went to visit the newspaper guys in Epitaph for Tommy, yeah. and he stole Tommy's check. Oh, so <laughs> right. he's, he's been living large. Yeah, yeah and maybe. He, and he walked away from, <laughs> from his, Rowdy, his fight with Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah. So... <laughs> You know, a lot of nothing is what he's been doing. Yep. Yeah. So this girl gets on the back of Richie's hog. Mm-hmm. And while they're driving away, I guess Mako, Maiko, uh, he's immortal, it turns out. Do we, Richie gets do the we, buzz. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so he speeds off just in the nick of time. And Maiko, like, gets out of his truck in season right. drive away. Does he see his license plate? I we'll guess? find out later that mm-hmm. in, a, in a bit of, I guess, cut script dialogue, mm-hmm. that's how he tracks down Richie later. Uh. Is he... Has memorized the license plate. Crafty. Yep. Back in Max Loft. He's reading. He's just, yeah, hanging out, having a nice cozy night in. Uh, (laughs) He's drinking out of a goblet and reading in the dark. (laughs) You're going to give yourself eye strain, Mac. You shouldn't do that. Yeah. So Richie shows up with this girl in tow, and I guess she's been injured at some point. Like, she's... 
hurt yeah. her head. Yeah, it Leading to the line, it's sense. too early to see if you have a concussion. Yeah. I just like that because I don't know if that's true. If you've suffered some kind of head trauma, like, shouldn't their eyes be, like, dilated and not focusing properly and glazed over? I thought that was pretty instantaneous. I don't know. I have no idea. I got a concussion once. Did you? Skiing. I, I went down real hard because I never skied before, and I thought I could, I don't know, handle a hill, and oh, that ruined skiing for the rest of the day because I just felt like I was going to puke. Yikes. Good story. Yeah, I feel like she would know if <laughs> yeah. she had a concussion. Hmm. Or somebody would know. So Mac asks Richie what's up, and he explains this whole situation, and Richie's like, oh, I can feel this guy coming a block away. And I was like, hold on. like, Because <laughs> we've, we've had this conversation before, like... Richie couldn't detect, uh, what's her name, Sheena Easton. In, like, why she was right, right behind him. him. And yeah. it's like, oh, maybe it's because he's, like, a baby immortal mm-hmm. and doesn't have, like, he hasn't honed his senses. Not in this, this time. So, yeah. whatever. It doesn't matter. We do come to find out that Mako is very old. Yeah. He's way older yeah. than Mac. So maybe it's because of how strong he is relative to someone like Sheena Easton. Or uh, there could just be no rules on it and yeah. it's all bogus. Although we've never actually talked about that point, is that if the, the older immortals would have maybe a stronger buzz presence yeah because they're emitting so much buzziness but buzz juice yeah (laughs) you got so much clickening liquid (laughs) (laughs) sloshing around in there at this point we get treated to our first very nice flashback where we discover that mac is in the old west in 1880 and he's a newspaper man this is another great set dressing yeah or not it's not a set it's a location but it looks awesome yeah tons of extras great costumes another good one a plus yeah yep and Mac is hunting for cases for the Northwest Ledger. So he's hanging out with his friend Tim, who I guess is a shop owner. And I guess Tim is talking about moving to Alaska for the gold rush up there. Not to hunt for gold, but to open a shop yeah, and make a bunch of money. But he reveals that I guess his wife is expecting. So mm. Mac drags him away to celebrate with some whiskey or no, it's 1820 a- brandy. Brandy, which is it says on the bottle, uncommonly smooth, fine old brandy. Fine old brandy. Yep. Hooch. <laughs> I, I've got, I like to think that even in 1820, they were marketing things as fine old. Remember when you were young in the, 18, <laughs> in the 1790s? You remember how good you thought brandy was then? <laughs> Recapture that feeling. With 1820, smooth as fine old brandy. Yeah. Can we talk about how Mac is a journalist? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Or whatever. Like, Do we find this problematic in some way? Yeah. <laughs> I don't I, find it. I mean, we've, I we've had hints of this before, right? Because in the Pennsylvania coal mining town, in what episode was that? That was, oh, The Zone. The, the Zone. Uh, I think he, it was hinted at that he was a newspaper guy then, right? I thought so. Or did but... we imply that he might be at that point? I don't remember. And then it was definitely implied, I think, in the New York flashback in Little Italy. Hmm. For what episode was that? Revenge of the Revenge Sword. Revenge of the Sword, which was a stupid flashback, but another a great setting. <laughs> I don't get the sense that he's like a man of words. But he, but he wrote that story in Epitaph. That's for true. Yeah, you're right. Ghost Maybe wrote, that's Ghost wrote that story. Maybe that's the connection. That's another one of those weird connections. He writes a story, and now he's a newspaper man. Newspaperman. I, I, I have no problem buying it that as he tries to, you know, leave fighting behind, he transitions into a profession like that. I think it's a, objectively a good profession for an immortal. Sure. Because you have all this historical context and, you know, you can go out there and it's an excuse to explore the world. It also means Mac knows how to operate a printing press. But not a coffee press. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> so at some point during their celebration, Mac gets the buzz. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's Mako, Maiko, come to town. Mako. So in, in my notes here, I was like, okay, 
Should the joke be Maiko, or should I keep making Final Fantasy VII references about Mako? The Mako reactor. The fa- yeah, the face you're making right now, Keith, indicates that Maiko it is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have him referred to in my notes a lot as Anton Chigurh from <laughs> No Country for Old Men, because he's basically that. Yeah. <laughs> the music in this scene is very Ennio Morricone. Like, it's no idea what that is. Yep. Ennio Morricone is a composer who composed all the Sergio Leone spaghetti western movies he recently scored the hateful eight with Quentin tarantino but he's like a legendary film composer there's this movie once upon a time in the west which everybody should watch harmonica is like a central plot point but throughout the whole movie there's this harmonica musical cue which the composer for this episode whose name i used to remember but now i don't sorry roger bellen yeah he has to have watched that movie and borrowed that for this because it's like the same kind of thing awesome yeah look out for that watch that movie by the soundtrack it's very good (laughs) uh so mako is in town maiko is in town looking for tim it turns out and he's kind of rallied the townspeople around and he's like i gotta find this guy Mm -hmm. and you're gonna help me because i know you all know where he is well, like, Max sees him out the window, and then Tim also sees him, and he's like, oh, I gotta go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and Tim's a wiener. <laughs> yeah. Also. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of. He's a family man. Yeah. That's true. So, as we come to find out later, he's willing to fight. That's true. He gets into it. Mac and Mako? Mac and Mako? Mac to Mako? <laughs> <laughs> it's a shark. Isn't that a shark? Yes, there is or a shark. Like, it's like the stuff that you get showered in if you want to join Shinra's elite group of soldiers. <laughs> Maybe it's that. That's right. <laughs> it's yeah. been a while. Readers, since write us in every version of Mako. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just anything. The Mako, Mako countdown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next on Highlander, we watch our top ten Makos. Makos. Top ten Makos. David Letterman. Mako the shark. Mako the gummy shark. <laughs> <laughs> street sharks. Ooh. Are there are there Makos in street sharks? Uh, There's gotta there be. There should be. Yeah. They fight. They bite. They're street sharks. Jawsome. Mac and Mako have a conversation. <laughs> we are way off base here. So Mac and Mako have a conversation about like what he's in town for. Mm-hmm. And they seem to have an understanding. It's like, oh, as long as you stay out of my way, let me do my job. Yeah. It's like, all right. I guess and so. They've, it's they've tense, got, though. They've got yeah. history already. Right. Like, he knows Mako's whole deal well before this conversation yeah. starts. Mako's looking for Tim because he says he killed a Wells Fargo man on a train. Last this- time I saw you, you and Fitzcairn just learning how to read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's that a good is, reference. And that yeah. episode hasn't happened yet, has it? There is, in fact, an episode in the future where Mac and Hugh Fitzcarran learn to read. Yeah, which I thought this is a great little thing that they've actually, like, preempted the episode in the yeah. flashback. Like, they've mentioned an event that is we have not yet seen, which is really cool. That is pretty cool. So, mm. so in the next scene, we uh, Duncan, I guess, is con- confronting Tim about this whole situation. It turns out that Tim, I guess, his brother was a bank robber back in the day. Yeah. And invited Tim to go along with a ride, and he didn't know what the deal was, and he, he wasn't part of the robbery, but I guess he was maybe lookout he, or he something. He was, like, watching the horses. Yeah. yeah. Which, spoiler alert, that means you're part of the robbery, Tim. You right. are You are, in fact, part of a robbery. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess during this robbery, they end up shooting this guy, which was not supposed to happen or whatever, but they end up running off, and Tim is, of course, part of this gang, so he's blamed for it. 
Rightly. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, no, no, I didn't shoot the guy. I just facilitated the people shooting the guy by ensuring that they couldn't be caught. <laughs> Great. <laughs> He's like the, the ye olde version of a getaway driver. Right. Oh, I, I, I wasn't involved. Okay. You do, you do feel a little bad for him. I mean, like, he says he didn't know that was what was happening. It's a bank robbery. <laughs> <laughs> what do they think he was going to do? Tickle the teller? <laughs> G- give us your money. <laughs> well, he's probably like, uh, we're just going to go watch the train go by. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Real relaxing like. Here, hold these guns and horses. <laughs> yeah. It's like... Hold these masks. <laughs> so Duncan tells Tim to like flee and hide, and he'll bring him supplies. Yeah. He tells him to flee to Bayou Falls. And hold on, where what, are what? where are we again? We're we're definitely in the Northwest, right? Because yeah. it's the Northwest Ledger, and he mm. wants to go to Alaska. You're Correct. not going there from Louisiana. <laughs> Bay- bayous do not exist up there. One Bayou. It, it, Certainly is a French word, correct? Like, that is, like, yeah. local to, like, Louisiana, like, Creole culture or whatever. Mm. So, I don't know what the hell's going on. Popeye's chicken. Read, we do right by you. Can you also have waterfall? Waterfalls. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to my accent. Wood. Can love you? Water. Love the wood. <laughs> <laughs> Can you have waterfalls? Water. Water. In a bayou? Like, waterfalls in a bayou? Because then it's. Almost by definition, not stagnant. Exactly, anymore. yeah. Creek falls. <laughs> Puddle falls. I'm calling you out on your ecological terminology, Highlander. <laughs> Wetlands falls. So we get into this, like, this is, I think this is our opening. This philosophical, philosophical? Is that the right? I think so. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I thought I said it wrong for some reason. Discussion about what the law is and what justice is. These two guys have clear stances on what they think the law is. Mako thinks justice is what a lawyer gets in court, and the law is like how we should live. It's uh, like the letter of the law. And Duncan has room for compassion, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I, I think these these philosophies get a little muddied, like especially in some of the recent episodes we've yeah. seen. Of Duncan always taking the law into his own hands. <laughs> yes. Like, always. <laughs> yeah. Always takes the law into his own hands until the antagonist is a lawman. Right. Yeah. Because, yeah, Duncan's always advocating, like, we should go to the police, we should do... And it's right. like, suddenly, not anymore. It's like, yeah, we're done with that. And also, Mako, I think, makes bit. a pretty good argument here, because Duncan advocates for Tim. He's like, well, I do know him, but, like, he's a good guy, he's got a family coming, he really is fairly innocent in this scenario, so, like, let him be. And Mako's like, that's fine, let the judge decide. If that's the case, okay. And I feel like that's a pretty level-headed way to go about it it's like you're right like we'll present the facts and if he really is fairly innocent of this whole thing okay like Fine. that's the, the way them, it works them's the rules yeah yeah this is one of the only instances we kind of always complain about this where duncan's adversaries in these episodes are made too evil even if sometimes they have an interesting point of view mako isn't really like a bad guy they never really show him do anything evil he, he never does anything, anything evil. evil. And some of the things that he does in present day are like, I don't know, borderline? Yeah. They're not evil. Borderline, Whatever they are, they aren't evil. They're no, rough. They're, I, I feel comfortable saying you should not do that. But yeah. That's very and different. they're certainly not illegal in any way or like. Yeah, they are. But what? Uh, well, we'll get to oh, it later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Tons of it's illegal. But <laughs> All right. But he's not like 
evil like like Horton. Horton has no, an not interesting even... point of view, but he's so fucking evil. He's like <laughs> one of the things, and we'll talk about this when it comes up. I think we are supposed to think, based on a lot of the discussions that happen, that the Mako in the future is like a fallen, like a somewhat fallen version of the character. Like mm-hmm. he's a lesser version of himself. Like he's Maybe. in some way been a little bit corrupted richie makes a comment yeah we'll see later in the episode he's like how do you know this guy is the same guy that you used to know yeah they're definitely implying that he's maybe gone off the deep end with his version of the law Mm. right but i don't think they necessarily demonstrate that too well they sprinkle it but again and maybe this was intentional like i agree that they've sprinkled this concept i don't think we're ever supposed to think he is so over the line that he's a bad guy though yeah like he might be a lesser version of himself but he's still not evil right why doesn't mac want tim to own up to his actions that's a great question just because maybe he's right that like he doesn't deserve the same punishment as like his brother might have gotten but he's definitely morally culpable for this like and he's certainly legally culpable for it like there's no question that that is a punishable offense what he did and i'm not sure what like the judicial system in the late 1800s would be but i would have to imagine that there is certainly room for the death penalty? Well, no, there, I well, mean, there but it's definitely room for Well, that. there's definitely right. room for that, but I have a feeling that that's not what Tim would be looking at. I Presumably. No I don't know, though. I think they'd probably hang him. Yeah? I have no idea. I'm basically <laughs> off of, like, old West movies that are very factually correct. <laughs> Realistically, he is most likely an accessory to murder mm-hmm. and would probably be convicted of that. Like, he would probably be facing a very harsh sentence. Probably. Regardless, but... Yeah. You know, that was also the system of the day. It wasn't like a perfectly nuanced, well fleshed out system, which, by the way, we still don't have. So, yeah, like even today, someone would be facing a very harsh sentence for this. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just because Mac likes Tim and doesn't want him to. That's exactly what it is. Go away. Mac yeah. likes Tim. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's like it's like what Sully said. This is right or wrong because you say it is. I might have some problems with that. One thing I will say is, at least in that instance, Sully killed a bunch of people. Right. But Yeah, that's the other thing. It's like, Sully is a bad guy. But Mac definitely is very comfortable with his own moral judgments, and less so with others. (laughs) Hey, Rewatchers, thanks for joining us this week on Highlander Rewatch. Make sure to follow us along on Facebook, and definitely subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. And guess what? If you're an Android user, you can always subscribe on Stitcher. And guess what? We're on Google Play now. So check us out on Google Play. Any way you want to get us, we're there. So back in the present, I guess Richie is finding out about Mako, and he's surprised that he's a cop. But Duncan wants to find out what this woman, what's her name? Laura. Laura, that's it. <laughs> what she is hiding from. She says she doesn't know. She's fibbing. fibbing. She's clearly hiding something. Yeah. Because Duncan says, well, let's get the police then and figure this out. And she's like, uh-uh. No popo. No popo. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a quote. It's a direct quote. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, no popo. <laughs> Mr. Popo. Ooh, Mr. Popo. Kami's steadfast servant. Let's make the entire premise of this just to make more references that Keith does not understand. That sounds good. Let's see how many many we can rack up. Uh, (laughs) That's easy for me. I'm I'm usually missing a lot. That is a Dragon Ball reference, Keith. Hold on. Can we talk about... He's a very racist caricature. I meant to to bring this up. Multiple races. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Hold on. We got to take a definite sidetrack here. So... 
I'm, I'm, unlike all the other unlike ones. everything else we've been talking about this so, one's intentional oh yeah i, I meant is. to mention this at the top of the episode but we had talked in the zone about how the uh what was his name uh canaan mm-hmm. was Cain and abel right that he sounded like wolverine who sounds like piccolo who sounds like mr piccolo in right. some of the seasons mm-hmm. so i did some digging mm-hmm. on to see like what the deal was adrian paul said in his peace magazine that the Peace. villain <laughs> the villain was dubbed. Mm-hmm. So I think it is this guy. His name is Cathal Cathal Dodd. He's the voice of Wolverine. Yeah. He is Canadian. And because that's where that uh Funimation is based, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He does not have a credit like on IMDB, obviously, for this. It's all uncredited. But I did find that his agent is located in Vancouver. So mm. I have a very sneaky sus- suspicion that last minute they called him up and was like, we need to do this. They probably gave him a couple hundred bucks to do this gig. Nice. So I'm 90% sure it's got to be this guy. That's so awesome. Wolverine is Kanan. And it is also Mr. Piccolo? I think he's Piccolo, or no, or do they just sound similar? He's definitely Wolverine. Yeah, yeah I don't think he, uh, he could be. I don't know. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah. Nailed Good it. Ear. <laughs> Good ear, bub. <laughs> did you get that reference yeah that? <laughs> i did get that reference <laughs> i'm trying to this one's for you morph <laughs> <laughs> well, what about morph i love quoting the first episode of the x-men cartoon because it's really stupid <laughs> do yourself a favor if you liked that show go back and watch it again because it does not hold up very well. It's a uh, giant soap opera, funny. and I love it. <laughs> no, the first season, I think, holds up okay. After that, all bets are off. Yeah. Like, pretty much every good episode that I remembered were all in the first season. <laughs> yeah. And then after that, it was, like, the Christmas special. Yeah. <laughs> with the Morlocks. <laughs> so, Laura is in the loft giving, like, I guess, her version of the story. Mm-hmm. And she says she's a girl who comes from the wrong side of the tracks. Or in a place where there still is a wrong side of the tracks. What does that mean? I don't know. I guess that's, the, that's obviously Seacouver, as people are in. Yeah. There are multiple tracks in Seacouver, yeah. and there are wronger and wronger sides of them. Yeah. So she married the richest, the son of the richest guy in town, mm-hmm. because she says she wanted to be Cinderella. So she's like kind of a gold digger. <laughs> I ain't saying she's a gold digger rap. <laughs> but I guess her husband would come home drunk a lot mm-hmm. and hit her. And then this is very much like... Nowhere to Run, yeah, which is also directed by Clay Boris, where they cut away to these like very violent scenes of her getting like slapped around, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like kind of like the Predator vision again. Yeah, that's right. Weird. So she ran away, and and she said like his father is like really influential or a judge or something. Yeah, he told the judge that I guess she stole from them and mm-hmm. r- ran away with their money, and so I guess Mako has been hired to bring her back. So this is the story when she tells Mac. Mac isn't so sure. Right. But Richie's like, oh, we'll help you out, baby. He's like, this is Richie's game. He's like, he's got it right where he wants. It's like, Richie's game is find women in danger and prey on them. Yeah. Like, he always (laughs) likes these vulnerable women. It was like in the one with Dominic the Zone Patone, where he's like latching on to women in trouble. Right. And he did it in The Beast Below as well. Yeah. He's like (laughs) leveraging his weird savior position to try to get some unsavory yeah it's like not cool richie unseemly yeah unrichy yeah so big star place big star we haven't talked about that in a while well i don't think it's been in the season sadly no it's a, it's still in my heart though <laughs> that's the biggest star of all maybe the real slim shady 
It was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> so Mako doesn't really believe Lara. Uh, yeah, of course not. <laughs> right. Because yeah. this is an odd story, especially involving a player that Mac knows. Yeah. So we cut to, like, later. I guess she's going to stay with Mac. Mm-hmm. Also, because Richie said, like, he calls it out. He's like, I don't think she's your type. Like, I feel comfortable leaving her with you because, like, Mac's not going to sleep with her. Like, yeah. these two, have, like, are really hunting down these ladies like yeah it's weird and like their weird competition over hornburger and yeah uh, also i like that like richie's like oh i'll help you anyway it's getting late i gotta go home you can stay with mac yeah it's like oh great thanks a lot laura takes a walk down by i guess the waterfront which is i guess not too far from the dojo yeah and mac finds her there and i guess she's mulling things over and he makes a comment about like he's like Hey, you got to be careful down here. Like, in the best times, this is a bad neighborhood. And again, it's like, what is Sea Coover like? Yeah. This is supposed <laughs> Where are you? Yeah, like, this yeah. is supposedly two blocks or so from the dojo. And it's a crazy, it's like the zone. It's like, you can't be down here at night. It's like, yeah. all right. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. And first season Sea Coover did not get that impression at all. Yeah. Sea Coover's just Flint, Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> so she, she, I guess, is picking up on the fact that Mac is not trusting her. And he's warning her, like, you better be careful with Richie. Like, he's going to believe whatever you tell him. And, like, you're just going to drag him along to whatever, like, whatever scheme you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, don't hurt my friend. He doesn't want Richie to throw his life away. So now we get an amazing scene mm-hmm. back at Richie's apartment. And maybe this is why he didn't want Laura to come over because yeah. <laughs> he's got a great setup in his little bachelor pad. <laughs> uh, so Richie's taking a shower and he has got. The greatest, like, shower curtain? Yeah, what is it? It's like a newspaper or something? Uh, He's got, like, singles ads on it. What? And it's, like, 32 and looking to, like, party. Like, it's all these, like, singles ads. It's fantastic. So so he just, every time he takes a shower, he tries calling one? Yeah. (laughs) Are you in trouble? No. (laughs) Are you in trouble? (laughs) That's his singles ad. He's like, I'm 31, but I say I'm 23. (laughs) (laughs) Looking for woman in distress. Yeah. can save you from ancient lawmen in parentheses with help of friend if you're into that (laughs) with help of tall scottish friend (laughs) oh boy so richie is taking a shower and gets the buzz not a block away yeah (laughs) like right yeah Yeah. mako busts into his i could feel him coming a parlor away (laughs) mako busts in and punches punches richie right in the fucking face it's like a savage open palm strike (laughs) yeah (laughs) so this whole thing is awesome scene is hilarious he's like got richie by his little ramen curls like (laughs) (laughs) and richie's just naked and they're just yeah and he's shaking him around a lot so (laughs) richie's probably dangling a little bit down there I'm glad glad you're painting a full picture. Yep. That's the first thing I thought of. Yeah, a nice word painting of Richie's yeah. jank. <laughs> Mako asks, what's the deal? Yeah. Where's Lara? And Richie's like, I don't know. I took her away and then just dropped her off at the bus station. I don't know where she went. So that's his little lie. Somewhere in the middle of this, Mako literally karate chops yeah. him. Yes. <laughs> like in the neck. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem like Mako has much interest in the game. No, he warns Richie. He's like, just don't get in my way. He's like, we, yeah. you know, our kind doesn't like each other. Yeah, he he doesn't seem, again, not to be a, he's not a bad guy. Like, I think he even understands Richie's position a little bit. You help this girl that you didn't know anything about. I don't care. Where is she? He, he doesn't is, seem like a real vengeful he guy. He is physically assaulting this guy. <laughs> no. After burglarizing <laughs> his house. <laughs> 
He is, in fact, a burglar. <laughs> well, he, all right. He unlawfully entered someone's dwelling house at night with the intent to commit a felony therein. Guys, it's under the color of authority. That's right. Titular. Cops can't do that either. Mm. So, uh, after this, Mako leaves. Mako. Yeah. Mako leaves. Then we then cut to, like, a park? Uh, Joe Joe and Mac are meeting up. And I'm mm-hmm. like, where are they? My <laughs> They're <say>, bird- Joe! <laughs> They're back. bird watching. Yeah. It's been, I guess, what, two episodes since we've seen Joe? Yeah, I don't maybe think he was in the one with Sully. Was he, he was not in the fighter with Sully? He was not in the episode about a hunter. Right, you run for your life. Run for your life. Run for your life. So, what was the episode before that? Uh, I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> run for your life. Epitaph for Tommy. He was in Epitaph for Tommy, right? No. Was he? No. No. I don't think so. So it's been like three episodes since we've seen Joe, the fighter, at least. Jeez. Yeah. Well, he's back. Thankfully, the person who delivers the opening monologue to the show yeah. is in the show. <laughs> Good job, guys. <laughs> so Max there, and he wants info on the girl. Yeah, but it's again, all because that Mako is the one looking for him. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's weird. Why like, would Joe have information about that? I don't know. And Duncan doesn't need information about Mako. We get more exposition from Joe. He's like, he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, Mako, he used to be a, uh, a sheriff back in the 1860s. It's like, we know. We just saw that flashback. Like, yeah. you're, you're providing no information, Joe. Like, nope. <laughs> and Max's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, about this Laura girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, just call the cop. Well, I, I guess that, I think they do justify it. I think that's why. Duncan says he doesn't want the police involved because he's not sure what the deal is with the girl. Joe also says that. Mako was a sheriff in England. A constable. Right. Mm, constable. Even before he was immortal. Right. Or I think uh, we find that out from Mako himself. Yeah. From yeah. the horse's he, mouth. Yeah. He's been a lawman for 600 years. Then we cut to the dojo and Richie's visiting. And this is where Richie calls Mac on his bullshit. Yeah. Because Mac is like, don't do anything. Like, Mako is like, you're not going to beat him. And it's dangerous. And, well, he still doesn't trust Lara. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Richie calls him out, and he's like, "Well, you get to help people all the time. Why can't I help people?" Right? Because you're not helping anyone, Richie. <laughs> you're just trying to get some. Like that's the only reason he's helping her, right? Because she's pretty. Because her story is like <laughs> her story is just like so kind of facially flimsy. Yeah. Well, when they go upstairs to the loft, she's like packing up. Like it looks mm-hmm. like she's gonna split town. And, of course, Richie's got to try to step in again. He's like, no, I want to help you. Yeah. He's really chasing that tail. I guess she explains that, oh, like, uh, what was his name? Carl or Earl? Earl. It's like, Earl's daddy used to hit me. And Mac is like, wait a minute. Earl's dad used to hit you? I thought it was Earl that yeah. hit you. So she, this is the first time we see, I guess, a crack in her story. Mm. And we're not sure what's up. Which is weird because I don't know why. Like, she legitimately is not lying about her story as we find out, like, she does have an abusive husband, we later yeah. find out. So I don't understand why there's a crack in her story. Probably just got nervous. It is very odd. Because, yeah, there's no reason to lie. Like, everything she's talking about is basically true. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Richie is not cool here in this, like, stay out of it from Mac thing. And Richie's like, I'm a big boy. Yeah. I can do it. Like, let me do it. I'm Mommy, a grown-up, too. Well, I'm a big boy. <laughs> I have novelty shower curtains. I can do yeah. this. <laughs> Hey, only a big, a truly big boy would have a novelty shower curtain. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's ready to settle down for a relationship. That's why That's he's right. looking at those ads. Well, Mako saw him naked, so he would be the only one who would be able to know if Richie is indeed a big boy or not. <laughs> the only one. The only one. <laughs> so this line, I'm a big boy, is used as the transitional element, <laughs> which is amazing. Yeah. 
uh, to the past. We get back back to the 1800s, and a little kid is like, "I'm a big boy." To Mac about yeah. what? I don't. I, don't, I, no <laughs> I wonder what the conversation they were talking about yeah. was. But I guess this kid reveals that Tim is going to have a gunfight with Mako. Yeah, having a literally, literally having a quick draw. Yes, like and right outside the door, Mac is unaware of all of this. Doesn't get a buzz, but it's all going down. I, I could feel the buzz two one horse towns away. Yeah. <laughs> Nope, to Dusty Road. It's enough to obscure that buzz. Yeah. Tim does not want to go. I guess he knows he can't run, so he mm-hmm. decides he's going to kill Mako. So Mac comes out pleading with him, like, just go with him. Yeah. You can't kill him. This won't be over. What's Tim's plan? Like, this is the absolute worst thing he could do. It absolutely is. Yeah, but things could go to Alaska. What's honestly the, the likelihood in 1880 of a U.S. Marshal discovering him in Alaska? Yeah, fleeing is a pretty good plan. Very low, but yeah, like yeah. I guess he just thinks that if he sprints, this guy's just going to be able to catch him, mm. man tracker style. Even though yeah. Mac, told, like he's not listening to Mac's advice, which was like, "Go hide, I'll help." Yeah, he's like preventing Mac from actually helping. Like they didn't even try that plan yet. Like, yeah, well, Mac got sidetracked. He's now got his apron on and he's doing some printing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes out to stop this gunfight in his printing apron. Yeah. yeah, this also maybe paints Tim as like maybe he is more culpable in this like robbery. He, he has draw- a gun. He draws his gun like almost out of nowhere. Yeah. Like I forget what what does Mako say to make him draw the gun. He's like, "You're gonna come with me no matter what." And he's like, "No!" And yeah. he just draws. It's like, whoa, hold on, yeah. like. Put the brakes on. Also, Tim does not know Mac is immortal, obviously. Right. Mac is, like, standing in the middle of, this, like, this gunfight. Yeah. And Tim is just like, I'm shooting. Like, yeah. It's like, look out for your buddy who's trying to help you. He's a desperate man. He is. He's a wiener. Yeah. <laughs> With nowhere to run, run for your life. Yeah. <laughs> Mac is like, Mako, why did you have to kill him? Like, it didn't have to be that yeah, way. Make, yeah. Not to bury the weed. Mako wastes him. Oh, yeah, you're right, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And Mako is like, I didn't kill him. The, the law, law killed did. him. Yeah. I'm the law. I'm the law. Yes, Judge Dredd rewatch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the law. What was that? <laughs> We're good at voices. There have been worse Stallone impressions. But not many. Uh, good kid. Jeez. Uh, I portray the law. I am the law. <laughs> <laughs> Judge, I adore that movie. It's Judge Dredd so- or Dredd? Well, actually, Dread is quite good. Dread is a Dredd. fun movie. Yeah. Dread's Judge, a great movie. Judge, Judge Dread, Dredd, though, is a train wreck you can't look away from. Isn't Rob Schneider in that? Rob Schneider's in a trash can most of the movie. <laughs> uh, he's at various times crawling through pipes and spaghetti. Yeah, that's a eat recycled food. It's great for the environment and okay for you. Who else Which, is in that movie? Armando Sante, uh, Max von Sydow, the great Max von Sydow. He's in that. Yeah, yep. he's in a lot of shitty. Who's uh, who's the romantic weed in that? It's someone who goes on Diane Lane. It's Diane Lane. <laughs> wow, it's got a ton of people in it, and it's a terrible movie. <laughs> oh yes, but it's great. Sure. It's also wonderful. <laughs> I had a friend once. I judged him. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> oh. Isn't the villain in that also named Mako? Oh, is that Armando Sante's name? I think it is. Oh, uh, shit. <laughs> I have to look this up. <laughs> yeah. Hold on, yeah, let's take a break yeah. real quick. Hold on a minute. Under color of authority, I am authority. Oh, it's not Mako, it's Rico. Rico! That's Rico. It. It's Rico. Sorry, and they're brothers, everyone. right? Is that it? They're, they are, in fact, clones. Clones. So. So we come back from this flashback. I guess Richie's gone off with Laura 
and Mac is coming downstairs, and Mako is there waiting in the dojo. Yeah. But they do this weird thing where, like, they show their hands like it's a Western. Well, they get into an argument, and yeah. Mako's like, the kid's outside. The buzz is working very differently again. Because we've talked about, like, feeling multiple immortals. Can they do that? Clearly he is. He knows it's Richie. Yeah. Or I guess infers that's Richie. Uh, but yeah, then they do like a quick draw with mm-hmm. their swords, and it's amazing. But they appear out of nowhere. <laughs> yes, like absolutely out of nowhere. <laughs> and I guess Duncan has his sword to Mako's neck. And he has him. He has him. But, well, I, I, mean, then yeah. I guess Mako gets Mac because he's like, is this your idea of justice? And that yeah. makes Mac put his sword down. Because they both clearly have some sense of justice. Yeah. Uh, And and in the original script, apparently, like, they fight, too. This is a whole Uh, fight scene. And Mac wins. Then we get that line, which I think makes this scene a little more powerful. I did like the kind of hand thing. Even though it was kind of false, because they apparently had their swords. Yeah. Richie and Laura have a hotel room. Yeah. And Laura decides she wants to thank Richie. And Richie's like, yeah, this is the payoff. (laughs) (laughs) But he's like, you don't have to if you don't want to. And she's like, no, I'd like to thank him. It's like with sexy time. And then they start like wet kissing. And it's like, it's really wet and sloppy. (laughs) Here we go again. (laughs) We're all disgusted by this. Well, I think the the thing that actually makes this disgusting is the weird quid pro quo. It's like, oh, you're helping me evade justice and I'm repaying you with sex. That's unsavory. Yes. (laughs) Mac and Joe meet back up. And they're at the mansion that we've where, seen 60,000 times. Where are they? So this is Joe's house, too? Well, like, all right. So maybe? <laughs> that's what's kind of implied here. Yeah. So we're not quite sure where Joe and Mac are. Presumably yeah. it's Joe's house, but that will, I think, be called into question later in another episode. Hmm. Maybe it's Watcher's Headquarters. Hey! Where, where there has already been several immortal duels. <laughs> Or, like, the lawn of this mansion has exploded when guy whose name I can't remember got beheaded. What was that guy? The guy that Mac fought with Wal- on New Wall Year's. Street, Walter Reinhardt. Yeah. Walter Reinhardt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wall Street, Walter Reinhardt. <laughs> so, I just like these Wall Street, Walter. <laughs> Joe's given Mac the scoop on what he's learned about Laura. And I guess Mako is working for, like, the Texas court system. Yeah. And he's in charge of, or not in charge of, he, he brings in bail jumpers. And he's a law and order fanatic. <laughs> Much like the Philadelphia fanatic. Yeah, he's a fanatic with a P. Yeah. (laughs) That stupid kazoo-wearing monster has completely destroyed my ability to spell the word fanatic. (laughs) Like, I'll try typing it in my phone, and I'll start getting angry at autocorrect. I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) It's right. (laughs) So Joe also says the reason she's being brought in is not because she stole money. It's because she killed her husband. She stuck her husband with a carving knife. And it's like, uh uh-oh. So now Mac really doesn't trust her, obviously, and thinks she's up to no good. Up to no good. Do you need to tell the time and look elegant while doing so? Then you should get the Highlander logo bracelet watch. Profoundly beautiful, this bracelet watch has immediate impact and a classic legacy. Each symbol is a powerful message to those who understand, or a beguiling mystery for the unknowing. It's time to reward yourself! (laughs) Or drop the appropriate hint to your own Highlander that if he wants to be immortalized, his maiden would love this gift for that special occasion. It comes in a wooden keepsake box, and Keith... How much money do you think the Highlander logo bracelet watch costs? $65. Nope. 
$75. Nope. $85. Nope. $130. Nope. That's almost, that's like $150 in 2016 money. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of dough, but I can't wait to get my hands, clock hands that is, on this sweet watch. My favorite part of this is, it's time to reward yourself. That's a joke. Uh, What are the symbols it asks us to decipher? What is what is the symbol? uh, There's like a weird Celtic knot thing. There's a weird head. I don't know what this head is. It looks like a dragon head. Probably a dragon. Yeah, I guess it's a Celtic dragon. Do they have dragons? I think so. One's with the watcher symbol. I can decipher that. And one just says Highlander. So that's not like there's nothing to decipher that. You can just read it. (laughs) But (laughs) for the rest of these, I don't know. There you go, guys. <laughs> so, back at the motel after Rich and... Rich... Rich? Rich. Rich. <laughs> this is my old pal. We're getting, yeah, this is... Yeah, Dickie... Uh, what's his name? Dickie Ryan? Jesus. How do I not remember his name? <laughs> Dickie Rushy. Ryan. Oh, boy. Um... He comes back with some burgers and fries, I guess, to, you know, refuel after their sexcapades. <laughs> and then Anton Chigurh is right on their tail. Right. I'm not quite sure how he found them. Who knows? Who knows? But they flee. They flee out the window. Yeah. He's a pro. They go to Mac for his car, and Mac lets Richie know. Which, Jeez. why do they need his car? They've got his bike. Well, they probably couldn't go to the bike because... Oh, so they they escape on foot? That's what it seems like. They needed to go to a further hotel. Yeah. Right. Or they took maybe, the bus. Maybe that's how he found them so easily. Maybe, maybe yeah. Richie spends all that, that $600 he, he brought back on a very expensive cab ride. Yeah. <laughs> back to the dojo. <laughs> so we get back, and then all this stuff kind of comes to a head. Yeah. And we're confronted with, like, what did you do, Laura? Yeah. And we find out that she's, like, not really lying. Like, her husband was abusive and was beating the shit out of her. And, again, we get more of these, like, really... Like, I think this is even more violent than the first time. Like, really violent flashback Predator Vision things of her Mm -hmm. just being beaten around. Yeah. And she says she, I guess, wasn't even thinking, but grabbed a kitchen knife and stabbed her husband in, essentially, self-defense. But she says the reason she had to run is because in Earl's daddy's town, she would be killed before like it's really weird like yeah where do they live like (laughs) texas is rural but not that like what like yeah (laughs) yeah the whole thing's dubious and if there's like problems you can get your venue changed for your trial and well they call that out and they're like oh we can't get the venue changed unless we go back well that's accurate right you're not, but like, get, you're not gonna change the venue on a trial for someone who's like actively eluding justice right, right, right. but like how, how i don't know that this whole town is this corrupt that she can't go back without any protection or anything this seems intense yeah it's silly it's well like i think we're supposed to just figure it's untrue i don't think we're supposed to think that she's believable so do we think that this. this is do we not think shit that she killed her husband because of I, do, I I think that we're supposed to buy that part, but this whole narrative she's constructed about... She's lost a lot of credibility at this point. Mm. I don't know that we're supposed to trust this whole narrative that she can't get justice. Max though, certainly doesn't trust it. Though, I guess there is like a... I don't know, like a 30% chance he's lying about the abuse part. She, I mean, she has just been lying the entire time. Would Mako be this dogged if he didn't think... Like, if the, the town was corrupt... Does this, like, kind of shed a different light on Mako? Well, how does this work? They say he works for the state. Where does this trial go? 
like if he's working for the state, like presumably this has become a state criminal case, not a county or like some regional court. Well, I mean, most court systems, it's run by the state. Like okay. you're in the county of whatever, like county of Philadelphia, but it's still the Superior Court of New Jersey or the, you know, Court of Common Pleas of hmm. Pennsylvania. The courts are generally state entities, unless you're like in a municipal court that's hmm. like literally just like you got a traffic ticket in your town. In that respect, I think actually Mako would protect her because he's such a letter of the law guy. Yeah. He would be like, no, 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 like it can't be an unjust trial, like, because that's not how this works. Right. Yeah. The whole thing is interesting. Also, she made bail, apparently. She's a bail jumper. So right. She's, been, she's already been arrested for this crime. She she didn't just run away, conduct it, do it and run away. She's been arrested and then, like, put up a bond or cash or something and was allowed to leave hmm. and then ran. Who do you think making, put up the bail money? The father so he could kill her? Or her. Or someone in her family if Maybe. they got the money. But we know that she's from the wrong side of the tracks and she's poor. Yeah. <laughs> so she doesn't have the money. <laughs> I don't know. You got holes, plot. <laughs> I don't know. It's it is odd. Yeah, it is interesting that she's in fact jumping the bail. Also, is he working for the state or is he working for a bondsman? Because that's oh. usually who employs bounty hunters. Well, so Joe he, said he worked for the state, right? Joe does say that, but that's usually not the way it works. Or does he? I can't remember the exact quote. Or does he, he say the he works Texas worked, courts? Texas yeah. courts. Yeah. So ordinarily, what ends up happening is that people put up bail bonds for people. So, like, the, the convention of, like, oh, you only need 10% of whatever the number is, that actually just comes from the private system of bail bonding, wherein you're effectively getting a private loan to post someone's bail. So you're paying the bail bondsman 10%, and in exchange for you showing up faithfully to court, they keep 10% of the amount they posted for you. Mm. In any case, when those people jump, they hire bounty hunters, because if not, they're going to be on the hook for the full amount of your bail. That's another reason why it's weird. It's not like Old West, like, wanted, dead or alive, $500. Like, it generally does not work that way. Hmm. <laughs> so, uh, why don't we take a listen to this clip uh, where Duncan and Richie kind of have it out and all this stuff yeah, yeah. comes to the fore. Richie, this is... I've spoken to a lawyer. We can fight the extradition, but she has to go back to face the charges. Why, Mac? Because those are the rules. Mac, the hell with the rules. We're immortals. Who cares about the rules? Sometimes it's all we have. You sound like him. Richie, where is this going from here? What happens if you're out on the road and a cop recognizes her? What are you going to do, kill him? I don't. How far is this going to go, I don't Richie? know, Mac. I don't know. All I know is I got to help her, Mac. Mac, she needs me. Richie, man, you're screwing up. Just he left is and right. screwing up. Yeah, it's like, also, like, Mac, you got a lawyer for this person? Like, good. Also, yeah. I have a question. Assist her. Duncan says that she has to go back to face the charges, but she could she have made bail if she wasn't charged? Like, you don't get bail for just being like lock up overnight. It it happens simultaneously. They've got a constitutionally prescribed amount of time to charge you with an actual crime after you've been arrested. And at that same time, they will fix bail on the charges. Mm. Glad Kyle's a lawyer for this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. well. The only stuff I know about this is from television, which is not accurate. <laughs> as as we are as we are experiencing presently. Yeah. Also, the the entire bail system is a corrupt and broken system. So 
you know, maybe that's what Richie's fighting for this entire time. Yeah, it's true. He's just way ahead of the curve. Yeah. <laughs> well, Richie and Laura end up taking off. I guess Mac does give them. Mac, like, gives Richie his car keys. Why? I don't understand. Well, I guess Richie's kind of giving him an ultimatum. Like, I got to help her no matter what. So either help me or don't. Yeah. I don't know. Mac definitely caves to Richie's bullshit a lot easier in this than in any other episode. Yeah. Richie's, be- Richie's becoming a man. Well, I think that might be part of it. It might also be like, you know what? Like, you're immortal now. Like, you need to start making these choices. Like, right. You're not just, you're not being sucked into my world. This is your world and you need to navigate it. Well, yeah. Duncan talks to, when he talks to Laura out on like the dock or whatever, he mentions that. He's like, because whatever you do, it's like, this is all Richie's choice that he's going to make. Yeah. So don't screw that up for him because right. it's his his mistake to make. I like that he basically invited her to push the ultimate deception on him. It's like, hey, my friend's really gullible. He right. will just like hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, like he will go for whatever you're selling. So, <laughs> hey, you're, don't... you're his type too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Des- type desperate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lauren Richie take off. Mako comes in now with two goons. That two like goons, Texas so. goons. Like <laughs> right. they have like bolo ties. They're having whatever. a bolo tie competition. Yeah. <laughs> and Mac has his, his bow staff. So this is maybe where we get the idea that Mako has gone a little further than he's gone before because Mac yeah. is like, let's just get the police involved. Like they couldn't have gotten too far. They're probably just a few blocks away. Yeah. We can put an end to this and it doesn't have to get crazy. And, and Mako's, Mako's like, like no, no police. And These then he literally lies. says, yeah. I am the law. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fantastic. Much like Slyvester Stallone. <laughs> just like the judge. Judge who? Uh, Dread. Ah. Right you may on. have heard of him. So Mac has his bow staff and karate fights. Yeah, so the goons, Texas I guess. goons. The goons distract Mac. Yeah. So Mako's able to run after Richie, mm-hmm. and he takes these guys out pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah, he dispatches them easily. Outside, I guess Richie gets in the T-Bird, and, and he it's all against yeah. started or whatever. <laughs> oh, more Bounty Hunter, th- Hunter thoughts for a second. Yeah. So New Jersey is a particularly stringent state in this regard but a lot of states have followed suit in that bounty hunters like aren't really allowed to use force on people Mm. in just about any way shape or form in a lot of states apparently not whatever the hell state sea coover is in (laughs) (laughs) but you can't bust up in people's house and detain them because you're just a kidnapper at that point bounty hunters in new jersey not that infrequently get charged with like kidnapping and assault wow. because they've got like a massive financial investment in catching these people because they're going to lose maybe a hundred thousand dollar bond that they posted, you know, so they end up essentially kidnapping people wow. <laughs> in order wow. to bring them back in. And that's effectively what this guy is doing. And somehow in my head, I imagine Texas has looser restrictions on this <laughs> for reasons, but it is strange. Hmm. I think almost universally, though, they're not allowed to like draw guns on people like you're not allowed to. And those are older rule. I mean, like older laws back in the early 90s, we're thinking. I think it was understood pretty early on that you can't like literally have a reward for someone to go use violence on another person. Right. <laughs> or have Texas karate goons. Yeah, karate. I don't know what their regulations on karate goons might be, but Hmm. in any case, it's all very odd. Actually, there was a big controversy around this way, uh, around where we are. Maybe two years ago, there was a big case where four people who are ostensibly bounty hunters, only one of them was licensed to operate as a bounty hunter, like caused a massive car accident because they were chasing someone, and then they ended up ended up like assaulting this bail jumper and all four of these people got charged with crimes far more serious than the person they were chasing. <laughs> oh. So how accurate is Midnight Run? 
That's the big question. Mm. Uh, it's less accurate than Chicken Run, but... <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. Chicken Run? No, Midnight Run. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin. It's good stuff. So Richie can't start the car, so they hop out and just start running? Right. And good then, thing we, we went through that whole exchange about borrowing that car. Yeah. <laughs> right. Completely useless. So Mako chases down Richie and Lara back in his truck. Yeah. Which is good. More Dutch angles... I don't know. It's not that exciting of a chase. No. Richie's like, you know what? We, we have to stop this. Right. Like, you, you have to go back and face the music. And she's like, I don't want to. <laughs> women. Sorry. <laughs> Abused are you, women. Are you, are you Sean Connery over here? <laughs> <laughs> Listen to Sean Connery over here. Also, there literally is a defense for people like her in most places. Yeah. They give particular instructions, not just for self-defense, but also for battered women syndrome and the way in which it affects people. I think even in the 90s, it was coming into its fore as an accepted form of essentially PTSD that right. abused women get. Mm-hmm. They have this like little tug of war. She mm-hmm. doesn't want to give up. She wants to still run. So she's like on the curb's edge. And like Richie's like grabbing her. Yeah, he's like pulling on her, like, come with me or yeah. stay here, I guess. Come with me if you want to live. And so <laughs> Mako speeds around the corner in his pickup. Yeah. And he's coming at them and she like tugs free and trips. And she trips and gets hit by the truck. Yeah. And dies. And she's dead. Wah, wah. And Richie's very sad by this. As he should be, it's kind of his fault. Yeah. Yeah. Then Mako just kind of comes out of the truck and is like, ah, well, it was nobody's fault. Time to go home, kid. <laughs> like right. <laughs> well, this is all, this is the whole like under of color color of authority. Yeah. He does not take any personal responsibility for basically anything that happens on his watch. Right. Because it's under the law. It's just doing a job. But he doesn't really seem too concerned or about this or like he doesn't really seem like he missed out on anything not like getting her and bringing her in. He's just like Eh, well. Yeah, he's pretty nonchalant about the whole thing. Yeah. But, like, he doesn't, like, enjoy it. Yeah, you get the impression that it's, like, it didn't have to be this way. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really, like, the lesson everyone... Like, it's... I don't want to say it's Mako's fault entirely. It's, like, it's everybody's fault a little bit. Like, he was way too aggressive. The girl should have turned herself in. Richie shouldn't have helped her the way he did. It was no bueno all around. (laughs) But as a byproduct of stupid decisions, she got killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they shouldn't have violated the buddy system when trying to cross the street. That's right. <laughs> That's very important. Richie like goes beast mode and like <laughs> grabs Mako and like throws him through a store window. Yeah, of like an abandoned like it's like a huge department or store. Yeah. Or something. yeah, under construction. They're building in Nordstroms. That's right. <laughs> Not in Seacouver, though. Seacouver can't afford it, apparently. Right. Because yeah. it's all one never-ending wrong side of the tracks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the world's largest dollar general. <laughs> so they're, like, fighting in this weird construction zone, which has, like, weird black lighting for some reason. Yeah, I, I like the way it's lit, honestly. Like, this felt comic booky again. Like, yeah. It was, like, like orange and blue. Yeah, it was or, really like, bright. Or, like, the scene in uh, Batman Forever where Robin fights those weird glow-in-the-dark glow in the dark skeleton bad people. guys. Yeah. So going people as yeah. he's pretending to be Batman. Batman. Yeah. <laughs> and then Batman shows up and drives his Batmobile up a wall? Is that the same That's scene? in the beginning of the movie. I yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Get it straight. Sorry, That's right, Keith. <laughs> Joel Schumacher. Schumacher is... I'm not rolling in his grave, but he's rolling. Joel Schumacher. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what pinatas are made of. Yeah, right? that's right. <laughs> Schumacher. <laughs> 
I'd like to make a pinata of that movie and then ritualistically destroy it. <laughs> so a, a large part of this fight, like it's it's fairly well choreographed. I like yeah, it moves around this good. this warehouse, but I would say a good thirty percent of this fight is dedicated to kicking styrofoam around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, plastic. yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of just kicking like construction debris. And there's like weird light construction debris, plastic sheets all yeah. over the place. I'm saying for yeah. one of them to kick one. Oh, that was full of nails. Um, it's a hard hat only sound. But we should say that Mac has also like followed everyone and is kind of following Richie and Mako as yeah. they are doing this fight. So this kind of echoes the Tim Tim V Mako Dawn of liter- Dawn of Justice yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that we had earlier where Mac tries yeah. to intercede and he's like it doesn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's repeating itself. So he's like all right fine like if this is this is your choice Richie. So we're back to this like Richie has to make his own decision thing. Yeah. Richie's growing up. <laughs> Richie's growing up. He's a big boy. Yeah. Also, my note on the setting is just I'm blue dabba dee dabba die. <laughs> so they're fighting, and Mako is like winning. Uh, like he ends up cutting Richie across the chest. Yeah. Uh, because he gets he gets the high ground. That's right. Um, yeah, he slices Richie across the chest, and then when he goes to jump down to take his head, he like falls through the table. Yeah. Well, I think the table breaks under him. Right. I yeah. Think, I don't think it's like. Well, I don't like, think it's an error by him necessarily. Richie, oh, Richie, yeah. Richie, like swings at him, and he like jumps over. And when he gets jumps on the other side, he falls. He through. falls through. So he's like a perfect, you know, whack a mole for yeah. Richie. So then Richie gets up and takes his head. Yeah, mm. doesn't hesitate this time. No, yeah, he's no Sheena Easton. That's so, right. <laughs> so is Richie just sexist? Is that Richie's biggest weakness? Yeah, <laughs> Baby. he has no problem killing an old righteous man. Yeah, <laughs> but like he can't kill. A lady terrorist. Because Mac and she had a connection. Is that why he didn't kill her? Do you care that much if you're Richie? I don't know. And I was just going to ask. No. Does, we, he, does Richie know that they were bed partners? I guess he does. Doc partners. Bed partners. Doc partners. <laughs> oh, that sounds like something else. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, docking? I'm interested in hearing about doc partners. We are not explaining docking on this podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> those so inclined can look it up. <laughs> oh, no, don't. <laughs> don't no, no, don't no, do no. that either. <laughs> so I, we, we've talked about immortal immune systems mm. on this show before. How do we think immortal hormones work? Like, is this really just Richie being like a crazy horn dog? Is uh, it because he's like 19 years old and he's just got to like and he's a virile yeah like is that why like he's not sexist but he's just like crazy horny (laughs) so wait is your theory here all mortals are just horny all the time well the younger ones man like does his does his sex drive go down why this makes no sense (laughs) i don't understand the premise of this no i don't he's just 22 what was the line richie said my hormones are what do you remember that oh uh he's like uh meltdown uh, yeah Yeah. (laughs) meltdown baby (laughs) maybe that's what's happening yeah okay he's just 22 (laughs) but i'm saying does someone like uh, mako have a lower you know (laughs) a lower sex drive yeah lower sex drive i don't know mako mako gets a hard on from the law (laughs) The law is his bed partner. (laughs) That's right. He shall not want. Lady Lady Justice. She likes the blindfold. (laughs) She's a swell looker, Lady Justice. So, Eamon, tell us about this quickening. Oh, my God. You said you liked this. 
I do. This quickening is 90s Nickelodeon. This yeah. is like double Which, dare the quickening. Yeah. My The quote in my notes is just gack sprays everywhere. <laughs> so like Richie is, I guess, a fine job of quickening acting, but they're, they're like they're in a room that's Quickening being, acting. That's yeah. a great jizzing. Yeah. I, in my <laughs> notes, I have this is, jizzing. this is paint jizz. It says paint jizz. <laughs> Well, they're in a room that's like being painted or whatever. But like, Painted a bajillion colors, yeah. apparently. And they're all like neon but so all the paint cans start exploding and i was like this is you know what's not dramatic like (laughs) there's another weird element to this quickening where there's like stars that come from the bottom of the screen like we saw this in the last episode the fighter where there's a weird animated ghost yeah sort of like like a ghost that comes up yeah and in this one it's similar except it's like stardust yeah what like really weird (laughs) but i actually kind of like this quickening i think it's fun what do you like about it? He <laughs> likes the interpretive painting. That yeah, it's different. It's, I think, kind of creative. It's fun. I don't know. I think the paint cans are really I'm into goofy. it. I, I just couldn't do it. I'm like, no. It's like an entire quickening of just the oil and hose from the garage scene of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> what stuff can we splooge everywhere? <laughs> my, my notes on the, I'm just looking at my notes, and they're so matter-of-fact about what I thought about this scene. It just says... Dash, all the paint cans explode, which is cool. <laughs> I like to see a quickening in like a bathroom where like a tube of toothpaste just like <laughs> just shoots all the out. toothpaste it out. Just curls into a little yeah. It's a little snail like cur- coil. Yeah, it curls itself. <laughs> or what if it was in a toothpaste factory? <laughs> Even better. <laughs> but yeah, and Mac is like kind of not very happy about any of this he's he like looks disgusted yeah so we get the now the appropriate response the denouement of this episode is back in the loft they talk about it's like gonna be winter winter is coming yeah uh whatever uh so uh mac tells richie he's like gotta leave Mm -hmm. so i assume that's because too many witnesses were around or something like i'm not exactly sure what the implication is but like there's a headless body in a department store right that a bunch of construction workers are going to see tomorrow and a bunch of people watched him on the street throw, throw, a man. <laughs> throw a man through the plate glass window yeah yeah mac is like really cold about this whole thing i think yeah. and like uh, clearly again disappointed disappointed well richie did like ignore all of his good advice <laughs> this ends with richie asking if they're ever gonna have to fight each other which this is like a real dark turn and yeah. mac is like maybe and it's like yikes, yikes. Yeah. right like uh ugh. Well, um, I mean, Richie's kind of on a bad path right now. Like, yeah. yeah, he, he can extrapolate a path of this. Like, he just killed the nicest immortal we've probably encountered. <laughs> like, that was, like, that that wasn't, that, like, a friend of That was, Matt. like, an actual antagonist. Or like, yeah. didn't have, like, split personalities and was a maniac. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm Quentin Barnes. It's me, Quentin Barnes. <laughs> <laughs> Mario. It's a me. <laughs> so Richie leaves, and Mac is, like, literally He's crying. Yeah. And then it's fade to black and credits. It's sad. So, I don't know. I was a little torn up about this ending because Mac is so disappointed in Richie. But the whole crux of it from the beginning was Richie needs to make his own decision. So, he, like, let him kind of make these. I don't know. I, don't, I, I feel weird. Like, he's like, I'm going to let Richie make his, a decision because he has to learn, I guess. And then he does, and it's not the best decision. Obviously, it's actually the wrong decision. Right? It might, it's borderlines on the worst decision. Yeah, uh, Two people are dead. Yeah. But then Max's response to this is, like, go away. Like, well, so it's the same. And it's yeah. like, whoa. This as, is- as his, like, mentor figure, it's like... Well, Mac made the same decision. Mac was in the same position, and he did the same thing in the flashback. Expl- he didn't 
let Tim go with Mako. He said hide, and then he got he basically instead of turning Tim over to Mako, let Tim hide, and basically like that's why Tim then was able to face Mako and get shot. Yeah, Mac has definitely harbored people before. I don't think letting someone making their own choices precludes you from being sorely disappointed in them. He obviously does need to leave because of the multiple homicides that have just occurred. So, like, he's got to go. And oftentimes, adults make decisions not to kill each other. <laughs> like, when they do, you're allowed to be upset with them. Mm. Sure. I just feel like Mac should be able to maybe relate we find that a lot of times that, like, in yeah, Mac's Mac younger didn't, days... Mac didn't kill anybody. That's true. Mac didn't tell Tim to have a quick draw with an immortal. And after... But he certainly didn't tell his buddy Tim to stick up a Wells Fargo man. That's true. And after Mako did kill Tim, Mac didn't turn on Mako. Right. Yeah. Out of passion. People make their decisions. Mm. Like, he also didn't turn on Richie for this whole situation. Like, he's very responsible for... Her death and for killing an otherwise pretty good person. That was a very bad thing he just did. Like, we're being very nice to Richie here. He I killed, suppose so. He killed not an innocent man, but, like... Not a is, guilty one. He did not... He had no need to do that, and he did not kill an evil person. In fact, probably in the cosmic scale, he killed a pretty good guy. Yeah, we can be disappointed in Richie Ryan. Like, <laughs> yeah. Mac, you can, you can shed your one tear as he rides your bat vader out of, like, your weird loft. Uh, so what you guys think of this episode in general? This was a good one, I thought. This is great. I like yeah. this episode really a lot. I th- yeah. And it was good that, like, a bunch of pieces that had been missing from the show all kind of reunited. Like, yeah. Richie's finally back. Joe's finally back. Uh, Moral Center is finally back. Yeah, yeah. there's a sword fight. And- good yeah. flashback. Good uh, flashback, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this had a lot this, going for this it. This ticked all the boxes of a good Highlander episode. And also yeah. even moved, like, this This didn't feel necessarily like a... Freak mortal, of the Week. Yeah, Freak of the Week, because it, the larger plot gets moved forward, which is Richie gets kicked out. And it's like, yeah. well, what's going to happen with their relationship? Like, we're moving some big pieces now, which is pretty nice. And yeah. Jonathan Banks is really good. He's yeah, great. He does a great job at this yeah. part. Yeah. yeah, it's too bad I don't think Might we ever go. get to see him again, which well, is a bummer. He's dead. <laughs> yeah. Well, in like a flashback or, you know. Sure. I, I did just want to bring up the Watcher Chronicles very briefly. It's nothing in particularly like special about Mako's Chronicle or anything, but Laura has a Chronicle and it's awesome. It's so brief. It basically says accused of stabbing her husband. It might not even say accused. It might just say killed her husband. And it's just, it's just check marks. It's like killed her husband, ran away with Richie, dash. Girl from wrong side of tracks. <laughs> awesome. That's Girl printed. from wrong side of tracks. Did we uh, learn any lessons this episode? There's a lot of lessons. A whole lot of lessons. Mm-hmm. That's why it's time for a segment we like to call... Mortals will give you a Mac attack. You ought to know by now. You ought to know by now. Welcome to Mac Attack, where each and every week we talk about the lessons we learned from Duncan McLeod. So this week I learned there's really no difference between being the law, being above the law, and apparently just murdering the law. <laughs> it's all the same. I learned that I enjoy the Steven Seagal movie Above the Law. From Mac? Uh-huh. <laughs> Mac is not the only one who teaches us some lessons. We also have Richie Ryan, which is why we have our favorite segment. What, what you, you don't, don't do, 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 do. What you don't do. The lessons of Richie Ryan. So what you don't do is rescue a girl, leave her at Mac's house, and then go home and take a shower when a bounty hunter's following you. <laughs> when Boba Fett is on your trail. That's right. <laughs> 
What you don't do is you don't you don't trade sex for committing felonies. Yeah. <laughs> that is not a good trade for you, Richie. It's not a good trade. Don't yeah. knowingly harbor a felon. No. <laughs> I think that's an excellent lesson. Also, buy some new fucking shower curtains. <laughs> <laughs> Lonely Heart 36. What you don't do. Get karate chopped by Maiko in your own shower. <laughs> Maiko. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us for this week's episode. But before we go, we wanted to talk about our very first Highlander rewatch contest. Now, we mentioned this back when we did our seven-part episode on the movies uh, from 1986. And if you haven't heard those already, make sure to go back on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. We're now on Google Play. And check out those back episodes cataloging the movie. So, Eamon, why don't you tell us about what this contest is going to be? So, there's a lot of talk a lot of buzz about rebooting Highlander. So how would you reboot Highlander? We want to hear from you. That's right. So what we're asking you to do is to actually write us a pitch. Think of it as like pitching a movie studio. So write us a one-page treatment, 500 words, telling us what you would do to the Highlander franchise. And so we want this to actually read like a short little narrative. So if we're your st- the studio executives at uh, Lionsgate Films, let us know what your version of Highlander Looks like. And what we're going to do is we're going to participate as well. We're going to do a brainstorming session that we'll record, and then we'll write our own reboot treatment and share it with everybody. And there will actually be some fabulous prizes for our favorite submissions, including some custom artwork from our old pal Eamon. Isn't that right? That's right. I will draw you a picture. <laughs> <laughs> and that's worth a thousand words, that's which right. is basically two entries in our contest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you give us one entry in our contest... We will just give you back two. (laughs) No, that's not true. You'll get very cool custom artwork. Absolutely. And we might have even some, yeah, we'll we'll see exactly what the prizes are going to be as we get closer to the due date. And so these uh, entries uh, you can send to HighlanderRewatched at gmail.com. Again, it's HighlanderRewatched at gmail.com. We're going to be judging these at the end of our second season, which is going to be in a couple months, but it gives you plenty of time to think about it and put your thoughts together. And we're really excited to read what everyone's thinking out there. And I'm excited to talk about what our ideas would be as well yeah 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 this is gonna be a lot of fun so keith just to add some more flesh to this contest is this a pitch for a new movie or a new television series this is a pitch for a new movie great so highlander fans get on your thinking caps get ready to pitch us your ideas we can't wait to read them Thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's episode of Highlander Rewatch. Join us for the next series episode we cover, which is going to be Bless the Child. I've been one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Richie and Laura get up hotel room. I guess Mako's still on their tail. Or no, hold on. Richie and Laura get a, like, motel room. Mm -hmm. And Richie comes in. He's got, like, does he have, like, burger? No. Fuck, I'm way off on this.